love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. We're in the middle of a pandemic. My family can't come. We don't even have anybody to marry us. Like, And so that's when we sat down and we're like, okay, what do we want to do? I always joked that we could always get married in the river between Callis and St. Stephen. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Lindsay and Alex, whose wedding made a real splash. After the pandemic postponed their nuptials, this cross-border couple got creative and planned a ceremony that not only solved their problem, but also landed them in the international spotlight. Their story is proof positive that we can't always be in control, but sometimes love wins out nonetheless. Okay, Lindsay, it's you and me. Alex is not here. Do you want to tell me why? (laughs) He's not a fan of interviews. (laughs) I know that. He doesn't need to be here because you are a media darling already. You've done a lot of interviews about your love story. I have. Yes, I'm not entirely sure how many. (laughs) So great. Okay, so it was your unique wedding that made international headlines, but... We're going to get to that. First, I want to talk about the backstory. Tell me about how you and Alex met. So Alex and I met about six or seven years ago. Uh, I had moved to Nova Scotia 10 years ago to go to Acadia University. And then I moved to Halifax to do my master's at Dow. And I was living in a one-bedroom studio apartment that was literally... We weren't allowed on the balcony. It was so unsafe. Like it was awful. And so I had this friend who was living in a bigger house with um, four other boys. And one of those boys was moving out. And I was like, please let me move in. But they knew somebody else who wanted the room. And I was like, no, I need somewhere to live. This place is awful. And so I begged him literally. And he let me have the room over the other guy. And it turns out that Alex used to live in that house and had moved out. So I essentially moved in with his four best friends. Alex's first impression of me, because I like to tell stories, is he leaned over to his friend Matt and told him that I was a pathological liar. So (laughs) that was our first meeting. (laughs) Good first impression. Yeah, so it was only uphill from there, really. Well, that was clear, though, that he was flirting with you. (laughs) I guess so. He had another girlfriend at the time when when we met. Um, So we were friends for almost a year before uh, we actually started dating. Okay, so you had an interesting initial meeting. Where did it go from there? Um, Yeah, so we were friends for about a year where I was living with his four best friends. You know, I spent a lot, we spent a lot of time together, but just as uh, friends, but uh, we would come downtown here, Halifax, and go to the bar as a group. And Alex and I would always leave to go get food together. And it kind of just grew from there until, uh, yeah, I... I remember it as you would in the movies and somebody kind of 
professing their love to you. But Alex says that it didn't quite go like that. But <laughs> The funny thing is you mentioned the movies and I was just thinking, this sounds a lot like a sitcom premise. In fact, there was a show called The New Girl <laughs> where a girl moves in with a bunch of guys. Oh my goodness, I'm Zoe Deschanel. This is the best day ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment, right? It is. She's fabulous, mm-hmm. full of personality. Mm-hmm. And she was the glue that held the apartment together. Mm-hmm. Is that Was that the case for you? Oh, you'd have to ask them, I guess. (laughs) But uh, we've definitely formed a great friendship and still continue. We're still the same group of friends, just living separately and more (laughs) adult-like. How would you describe your relationship? I would describe our relationship as... (laughs) Alex is very much... Let's think about things before we do them. And I'm more of the, no, let's do it and think about it later. And which balances out quite nicely. We both, because we were friends before we started dating, we're very much just like friends now um, in our relationship. And just a lot of joking and laughing and hanging out and having fun I guess (laughs) yeah it's great when there's a foundation like that Mm -hmm. is that how it feels yeah it was nice because I think often when you start dating somebody you're it's like this period where you're trying to impress them almost and we didn't really have that because we were just friends so we were always just ourselves Okay, so, of course, we're leading our way up to the engagement. And in order for there to be an engagement, there's got to be a proposal. Who popped the question? Oh, yes. Well, I... (laughs) Nobody, actually. (laughs) Alex forgot. (laughs) He gave me the ring. Well, I found the ring. (laughs) I should back up. This is a sitcom. It's, um... It's funny because, like, all of this story was told during our wedding ceremony. The officiant told the whole story. But in order to build the ceremony, what he does is he asks us both these questions and we answer them from our own perspectives. So the story that he told and how he told it was, um, I knew that he had the ring and I wanted him to propose. So I booked a cottage (laughs) and find out when it would happen. He hid my ring in a ball of yarn because when it gets cold out, I bring my yarn out. So (laughs) he hid it in a ball of yarn and apparently I immediately found it in the ball of yarn. And before he could even ask me to marry him, I put the ring on my finger and was like, wow. (laughs) And then he completely forgot to even ask after that. So, and though that's the story from his perspective. I don't necessarily remember it that I was quite that pushy, but it's most likely true. So basically he expected you to be a slower knitter than you were. <laughs> well, I, he said that I grabbed the ball of yarn. I went, is there a ring in here? And then started digging through it, <laughs> which is the story they told at the wedding ceremony. That's some good intuition you've got there. Well, it had to be somewhere. So, <laughs> Let me ask you an important question. When you came across the ring, when you sat down to knit, was your hair done? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I you got my were... nails done the day before. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. You were picture worthy, weren't you? Or oh, selfie yeah. worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you knew what was coming. Oh, yeah. 
I'm like, you're really going to wait, make me wait till tomorrow? Like, come on, <laughs> let's get this out of the way. <laughs> we all know why we're here. <laughs> okay, that is really hilarious. I do think you should consider writing this into a script. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe a movie, actually. I want, I want to be in on the rights, okay? okay? Yeah, you got it. Okay, because we're getting to the really juicy part. When you set your wedding date, what was the world situation at that point? Oh, so... We've actually rescheduled our wedding quite a few times and not all of them um, pandemic related. So we originally set the date, I think, in December, or January, probably January of this year, 2020. Um, and we had the date all set. And then Chris, my stepdad, couldn't get the time off needed for the wedding. So we rebooked the entire wedding to about three weeks later, which would have been in August of 2020. In March, when the pandemic hit and then the border closed and things were getting worse rather than better, I said, we've got we've to reschedule for 2021. Like there's no way, even if my family can come, they're probably going to have to isolate and it's just, it's not going to work. So I rebooked our wedding probably in May to the point where my photographer was like, are you sure you want to rebook? Like most people are waiting. And I was like, nope, my family lives in the US. Like I, I, I'm not going to wait for everybody else to rebook and then not get everything that I want. Yeah. You're probably for, realizing everyone else is going to be competing for the same mm -hmm. location and yeah, I just services. didn't want to bother with it. So I said, let's rebook it for 2021. And then I don't have to worry about it. And about a month after that date, my officiant for the 2021 wedding called and canceled. She said she can't do it. And I'm like, Alex, like we're in the middle of a pandemic. My family can't come. We don't even have anybody to marry us. Like, and so that's when we sat down and we're like, okay, what do we want to do? I always joked that we could always get married in the river between Callis and St. Stephen as like a joke. Because you grew up in Callis. Yes. On the main side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Callis uh, from the age of nine till I was 18 and moved here to Nova Scotia. And even where we live in Maine, like in Callis, it's so close to the border, our house, where my parents are, that are like, if you stand on the front porch and you like poke your head sideways, you can see New Brunswick. Like it's not far. It's close enough that mom and I cross the border every day. Mom went to, mom went to work on the Canadian side and I went to school on the Canadian side. So for nine years, I crossed the border each way, every day, five days a week. <laughs> you were a cross-border kid. Yes, exactly. Okay, so you mentioned your mom. I think this might be a good time to bring her in through Zoom and she's on her computer in Callis, Maine right now. I am. All right, and I understand you have Chris with you. I do. Why don't you tell us now, why don't we pick up the story from your perspective? Tell me from your end where the story went from there. So um, I was at work and Lindsay uh, FaceTimed me by accident. She said, uh, I, I'm just thinking that um, maybe we could have a border wedding. I don't know if you and, and Chris can get on a boat with some family members and come as close as you can to the Canadian side and we can um, get married um, like on the on the shore. She was thinking further down the river at the time. I, I mean, of course, I thought it was a great idea. I'm a bit disappointed that at the time we didn't think that we could actually 
be there. That night I came home and I said to Chris, I said, you know, Lindsay called, this is what she said. You know, she wants to get married further down the river, but let's go downtown and just stand on the wharf. It's literally less than a mile from our house and stand on the wharf in Callis and look over to St. Stephen and just see how far apart it is. So uh, we did that and realized that if the tide was a bit higher, that even if we were in a boat, we would be able to actually see up onto the wharf, came back that night or the next day and went on the computer to see exactly where the borderline was, um, checked to see what the rules were with regards to um, crossing over that line on a, in a boat. Um, because we didn't want anybody to get in trouble. You don't need to be arrested on your wedding day. So, Although it um, would have made an interesting story. Oh, sure. <laughs> and then we went back to Lindsay um, immediately after that and said, you know what, we, th- we think this could work in Cal- right in Callis and St. Stephen. You know, the family could come to the uh, to the wharf on the on the Callis side. You get married at the wharf on the St. Stephen side. We could get we have lots of friends that have boats, um, including my father-in-law. So um, we could we could just go out on the boat and we could be like literally 10, 20 feet from the wharf and actually see you get married. And then uh, the other part was I needed someone to marry them. And I I just went on Google and typed in officiants in St. Stephen. And, um, a gentleman named Mark came up. Um, he he does um, has a website called Unboring Wedding. Well, that, um, that certainly fits the bill. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Lindsay came back and said, this guy is awesome. And he truly was, he, it was awesome. He, he truly did a fantastic job. Well, speaking of doing a fantastic, speaking of doing a fantastic job, I think I'm going to get calls after this podcast airs because people are going to want you to plan their weddings. (laughs) You're you're going to be a a famous wedding planner. Lindsay, am I, am I wrong? It sounds like she did an amazing job. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I was worried about was making sure I could get my dress on time. So I talked to them Tuesday night and Wednesday morning I called because my dress was in, but it needed to be altered. And I said, how quickly can I get my dress altered? I decide I'm going to um, get married. And they said, well, how soon? And I said, Thanksgiving. And he said, oh, yeah, we were just worried you meant this weekend, but that's fine. <laughs> and so, you know, once I had the dress, that was – I I thought we can make anything else work as long as I can get my dress on time, so – and did it feel like your mom took care of most of the rest of the details? Yeah. Well, like a lot of the big ones. Yeah. She would just call every day and be like, I've got this person and I've got that and figured this out. And so, okay. So shall we jump to the day? Well, the I'll jump to the night before at the rehearsal. All right. So we all met down the wharf in St. Stephen where we were to get married and we did uh, the rehearsal and it was... We were kind of worried because it was pretty windy. I mean, you're on a river. Um, So windy is not the best for live streaming or microphones or anything Mm -hmm. of that matter. And then also because we needed to be married at high tide in order for the boat to be able to see us. At that time, the sun was like directly in my eyes. So I kept like, I'm like, Alex, you got to hold your head right here and you can't move or else I won't be able to see. So during the rehearsal, I just kept like pushing his head over. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of cold. It's kind of windy. Um... And the sun's in my eyes, like, but whatever, we're, we're going to, we're going to do it and it's, it's going to work out. So can I say this though? It's kind of interesting to me as a former actor, 
Uh, they always say that a bad dress rehearsal is a great sign oh. because it means you're going to have a great opening. Okay, well. if you have a if you have a kick-ass dress rehearsal, it can be trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, it was still fun, but we we're like, there's obviously some logistical barriers that we're not going to be able to overcome here because, you know, <laughs> weather being one of them. The next day, Alex and I got up and we were both pretty calm. We took our dogs for a walk and. Then Alex went on his way to his parents' Airbnb, and I stayed at ours to to get ready. And I left uh, the decorating of the wharf up to Alex, which he has told me was a mistake, but it all worked out well. <laughs> it turns out when you walk down the aisle, you actually don't care about any of the decorations that I had spent so much time thinking about. <laughs> right on. Yep. So um, it had been a bit windy. Like everything was, the decorations were all blowing over and Alex was worried and our dogs were on the wharf and one of them turns out hates drones so wouldn't stop barking at the drone flying over to take photos so we put the dogs in the car and weirdly as I walked down the down the aisle like the wind just died down this cloud went in front of the sun that would have been in my eyes and it just was perfect it was eerie how perfect it was because it was freezing cold the day before and windy and freezing cold the day after and windy and that day of the wedding it was 20 degrees in the middle of October just perfect that is awesome and as you were walking down the aisle could you see your family and friends in boats in the river yeah so there was one boat and it was just off to the side and so as I'm walking down the aisle I'm looking down at the boat and they're all there waving and then I could see the people over on on the U.S. side and then the family and Alex, you know, up on the wharf. So, um, yeah, it was it was really cool because I hadn't seen them in quite a long time and don't know when I'll see them again either. So uh, it was it was really, really great. And my aunt and uncle had air horns on the boat, which provided a lot of great entertainment during the ceremony. <laughs> It seems to me that this is not just a love story in terms of your relationship and wedding with Alex, but it's also a family love story because family must mean an awful lot for you in order to have gone to these lengths to have this kind of a wedding. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody imagines getting married without their family until this year. Like it doesn't really pop into your mind as an option necessarily unless you're eloping. No, it's really, I, I think it's a beautiful way to show family that, you know, you wanted them to be part of your day. Mm -hmm. They also did a lot. It wasn't just kind of show up. Like, they had to clean the lobster boat, which I noticed was sparkling white compared to how I remembered it. So <laughs> there was some work that went into it on their end as well. Um, so it, it, it's mutual in the in the making an effort to show that you care and include each other, so... And when you when you think about it now, do you feel that this was all sort of meant to be and it worked out in, in terms of giving you a story for a lifetime, it worked out for the best? Yeah. So originally we had kept all of our 2021 bookings thinking, you know, we're going to have to have this big thing to make up for what we missed out on. And after the wedding, Alex and I were like, we didn't miss out on anything. It was probably better than what it could have been. So we're like, we don't, we're st we'll still have a party next year because we 
paid a bit for catering so you know gotta eat that food but otherwise we don't really need like we don't need the rehearsal space or the tables and the chairs or the dj and all this stuff like it's just it's already been perfect like why try and repeat it and do it again it doesn't make sense so awesome okay and and now you've got to tell me how you became the media darling that you did oh so the thursday morning before the wedding which was saturday um I did an interview for a newspaper in New Brunswick and the person who interviewed me came down to the wedding and took photos of of the wedding that day and then they published it and then CBC Radio called and wanted me to do an interview and then that led to being on the national um, which led to getting calls from CNN, NBC, ABC, USA Today, messages from people in India and England um, telling me that I'm in their local news. I have had requests to be on TV in Germany. Um, <laughs> I'm on this podcast today. What, like, what? And I did not, I, did, I couldn't say yes to all of that. I mean, I, we didn't take any time off after the wedding. I've been working and, you know, take 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there to do a Zoom interview for CNN or whatever. But... <laughs> You spread that around the world. Like you gave so many people a little bit of uh, fun and excitement in their lives just hearing about your love story. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> After the wedding was over with and Chris and I, uh, we spent the weekend uh, in St. Stephen with Lindsay and, um, and Alex's family and our other daughter, Chloe. And then on Monday, we had to return back to Maine. So our like our quarantine plus our three days, we were gone 17 days. Um, and the whole week afterwards, when normally, uh, after seeing your family and not knowing when, um, because I also saw my mother in, in the nursing home when in New Brunswick, when I was over there as well, that my mother and my two daughters, I didn't know when I was going to see them again. And I came home and that whole week, there was every time um, I something came up like on a news story or in Facebook or Lindsay saying she was doing another interview, I was beaming. There was not one thing in this world that could have wrecked my mood. Well, thank you all so much. This is the perfect story for the Canadian Love Map podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. This podcast is made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. <laughs>